This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's okay if you quit. Quitting doesn't mean forever. If you need to take a break, do what you need to do for your mental health. Welcome to Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, the weekly podcast that asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I am your host, author Sarah Nicholas, and literary agent Sarah N. Fisk. Nancy Schwartz is an instructional writer by day, a science fiction author by night, and a mom 24-7. In her small amounts of free time, she can be found gallivanting around Disney World, chatting about her favorite space opera franchise, or taking refuge from the heat in her pool. She lives in Florida with her husband, son, dog, and cat. So please welcome Nancy to the show. Hello. Hi. So we're going to talk about your journey to publication today, and we're going to start by going all the way back to the beginning. When did you first start getting interested in writing, and how long did it take from then before you started getting serious about pursuing publication? So I actually didn't really write when I was a kid. I was kind of always interested in reading, but I, other than like an occasional story, I didn't write my own stuff. I wrote a lot in high school like papers because I was in the international baccalaureate program and that required a lot of you know English papers and history papers and that sort of thing and then when I was in college I majored in history so that required a lot of writing as well and I really liked writing history papers and all that stuff as much as you know one can enjoy writing (laughs) academic work for grading and then I went on to get my master's degree which again was a lot more writing um, Mm -hmm. including my thesis and when I finished writing my thesis and I graduated I pretty much did not want to (laughs) do anything writing uh, or reading <laughs> for a long time. I basically watched TV and read all the books that I missed because I was reading history books. And then a few years later, I had always been a Star Wars fan. And then I kind of fell out of it for a few years. There was a convention in 2010 in Orlando, a Star Wars celebration. And so I went because that's where I live. And it kind of like sparked my wanting to get back into fandom and um as many people do i found fan fiction (laughs) and i had kind of like read on and off over the years but i wasn't ever really into it as much as i would have expected to be considering i read star wars books a lot i started reading it got really into it and then i decided well i also want to write fan fiction because <laughs> that's that's kind of the inevitable path that mm-hmm. one takes in fandom and especially because my favorite character at the time had been killed so mm-hmm. the way to deal with that is to write stories where they're not dead anymore so i wrote fanfic for like i want to say two or three years um where i was just like heavy into fanfic and then i got an idea for a story that i thought would be a great 
fanfic. And then I was like, wait a minute, this would be a good book, like a original book. Mm -hmm. So I kind of took the idea, played with it, and then I said, I'm going to try to write a original book, uh, which was scary. Um, I had just gotten divorced, so it was like kind of like new time. I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. Mm -hmm. Started writing that in 2012, and I finished it that year, so it didn't take me very long. Um, but it was it was not good. Um <laughs> And that was, you know, 10 years ago. So a lot of people say, well, like your first book is terrible. It's awful. And it, and it was. But uh, the first book that I ever wrote was Robber Barons. And that was the first book that I published. So yeah. it's not the same book <laughs> as yeah. it was in 2012. But so, yeah, it was like 2012. And I started writing that book. And then I just kept writing until I got good enough to get serious about publishing. Hmm. How did you learn more about the publishing industry, like how it works, how to query, you know, how to do all that stuff? Pretty much Twitter, which is kind <laughs> of why I'm, I'm sad about the, the current state. This is uh, November 2022 when we're recording yeah. of Twitter right now. But yeah, it was pretty much I followed a bunch of agents on Twitter, found all the ones that I could find, read um, their stuff about queries and how to get published i read query shark which was kind of what everyone um suggests that you read through when you're trying to write a query but i i really didn't know a lot of people who were like pursuing publication like i mm. kind of like met a few people like on twitter but it was mostly like people i knew in the area i went to a few uh nanorimo meetups for the area but it really wasn't until i got into pitch wars this was a few years later that i really got to know a lot of people but when i was first starting out it was pretty much like twitter reading mm -hmm. you know reading yeah. agents and doing all the research that way awesome so after you finished writing that first book can you break down for us the journey from there to signing your first book contract yes so <laughs> as i said i wrote Robert Barons in 2012. I queried that book in 2013. I sent out a query. It's actually the first query I sent out um, was I actually got a partial request, which mm. was like a huge. It was <laughs> like good. Well, it was like wow, um, this is amazing. Of course, it, it did not turn into a full request, and I think <laughs> I only got one more partial. And I think I only I didn't even send out 50 queries before I I, I pushed it aside. I wrote another book. I think I wrote all of it. And then I decided it was not good and I didn't want to edit it. <laughs> so, um, so that only got one draft. I wrote on and on, off and on for like the next several years. There were times when I just did not write at all. Um, I wasn't feeling it and I didn't push it. But I wrote about two more novels in around, I want to say around 2015 and 2016 was when I had finished those and I queried those as well. Again, didn't get far. The third one I had actually submitted to Pitch Wars, didn't get any re any requests. That was in 2017. And around 2016, I decided I wanted to go back to Robert Barons and try to see if I could salvage it. I still really liked the story. I liked the world and the characters. So that was in 2016. 
in the end of 2015, The Force Awakens, uh, Star Wars Episode Seven came out. And as I said before, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I loved that movie so much. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not a fan as much as the next two. And I was one of those people who really wanted Rey to be Luke's daughter, um, mm. which is not the way the story went. Once I realized that's what was going to happen, like that's the way they were going to go, I was like complained on with my friends on Twitter, you know, and I was like, Bleh. thought about writing fanfic. And then I was like, wait a minute. This actually works perfectly with the original plot of Robert Barron's. Mm. I'm like, I can rework this and make this book to be that idea where the hero from long ago has a child and has to live up to that legacy so i was mm. like that's my story that's where i'm going i'm gonna do it so i i rewrote the story pretty much the only things that, <laughs> that lasted from that first draft to now is like character names and <laughs> the name of the ship and like kind of the basic idea of the um it's not really magic because they're super soldiers, but the way like their abilities work, basically that idea came into it. I, I like to tell people that when you're mad about some sort of franchise that you <laughs> are a fan of, don't go and make pointless YouTube videos where you're screaming. Go and like write a book. That's a <laughs> lot more. It's a lot more productive use of your time and um, it could get you published. So that's what I did. I um, basically rewrote it com uh, completely. You and I actually have a mutual friend, Allie Martin. Um, mm -hmm. She edited that original version before I submitted to Pitch Wars, which I wasn't going to. I was going to like query it, but I saw that the Pitch Wars submission window was coming up soon. And I said, well, I have a book ready. I know this could have more like it could have more work done. So I'm just gonna apply, uh, and I didn't I didn't like expect to get anything because I didn't the year before, and I got a request and pretty fast. I think it was the day uh the day I submitted because back mm -hmm. then they were able to do that, and then um she requested the full, and then that was all I got. So I wasn't like expecting anything, but that was all I needed <laughs> was that one request. I got in. That was 2018. We kind of reworked the book i didn't i didn't do a lot of rewriting as i know a lot of people like can rewrite their entire books mine was basically taking out some of the povs i had i think seven points of view in the yeah. original book that i submitted and i i cut it down to four and i did a lot of work on like description and characterization and setting um those are the things I don't do very well on. Um, it actually worked out really well. My mentor was Paris Winters, who's a romance author. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. she focuses a lot more on feelings and descriptions. So that was like kind of the perfect fit to like help me. I always like joked that every comment was like, but what are they feeling? And I was like, I don't know what they're feeling. <laughs> <laughs> what they're saying, listen. <laughs> but that was 2018. Uh, we had the showcase in 2019 which is, I know you've had a bunch, several people from my mm. class on your show before. It's awful. 
but great <laughs> at the same time because it's like everyone coming together to commiserate on how awful it feels but and then also like congratulating everyone for all their requests while you're kind of like well i didn't get that many <laughs> even though they tell you don't compare to everyone else but mm -hmm. you do i was actually really happy with the number of requests i got because i was warned adult science fiction does not do well in the showcase so i tempered my expectations I really just wanted a revised manuscript that I could query. And I knew a lot of the big agents in science fiction didn't really participate in the showcase anyway. So I was like, well, I'm just going to be ready to query. So that's what I really wanted out of Pitch Force. But I was happy with my request, sent them off, and then nothing. <laughs> you hear the chirps and it's like everyone else it feels like is getting an agent or a publishing deal and you're kind of like in silence land. And so it's really funny. I'm just going to cut in a little bit here because <laughs> I think people feel that way. Like, Oh, everyone's getting more requests than me and other people are getting deals and I'm not getting deals. But then uh -huh. if you look at the actual numbers, it's like 20% maybe of pitch wars mm -hmm. mentees are getting agents within oh. a year after the showcase. But for some reason it just feels like everyone <laughs> It really, it really does. It's it's hard not to compare when you have people who are getting it like the first day that you are sending queries out and you're just kind of like, whoa, like that's insane fast, but that's really the aberrations and you just mm -hmm. have to go into it knowing that. But I, I, I kept sending out my queries. A lot of the agents that I was like, Sending, uh, sending queries out took a long time to respond. So I kind of was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? I'll, I'll start working on another book. I did that. I kind of was trying to figure out what I wanted to do from there. Like, did I want to like keep sending out more queries or was I done with this book? What did I want? And then that was in the summer. I think it was August when they had the next round of sff hit on twitter i wasn't able to do the around in earlier that year because it was before the showcase so mm. we weren't allowed to do anything with that just kind of like bummed about i was like oh i really wanted to participate but the next time they have it maybe i'll have an agent by then right. <laughs> that's where you like put the clown hat on you're like oh you sweet <laughs> summer child <laughs> so i said again it was kind of like the same attitude i had with pitch wars i'm like well i have a pitch because that's what you make for pitch wars so mm. i'll just you know use that and then craft like one or two variations and send them out like what what else do i have to do so I did. I think I got like maybe one or two agent likes and I got a like from Athon Books, which I hadn't heard of before at the time. They were like pretty new. I think they were only in existence for like a year. I was like, oh, okay. Like I was never thinking of submitting to a small press. Um, I kind of was either thinking like traditional publishing, get an agent, you know, submit to big publishers. Or self-published. Like those were the kind of like the two ends of the spectrum. I hadn't ever thought about like small presses and submitting myself. So I was kind of like, oh, like that's an interesting route to take that I hadn't ever thought of. Mike Mame, who's on Twitter and was involved in Pitch Wars as well. Uh, he was a mentor that year. 
he put out on Twitter that he, you know, if people had questions about requests to get in contact with him, he helps run the event. So that's why he was like putting out that offer. And he specifically called out Athon Books because he knew the person who ran it and said, if anyone has any questions, let me know. So I messaged him and I was like, hey, I got a request. Can I ask you questions? He sent me like a huge long email. Like he's one of the most helpful people that I've come across in my journey to publishing. And it's like, you know, they're they're really good. I like their approach. They do audio, which you need to have in science fiction or else you're leaving like huge swaths of money off the table. I submitted to them. They asked for the full and then they offered like pretty quickly on the book and they said they wanted uh, it to be a trilogy and i was like uh <laughs> um okay <laughs> and they were like well do you have any other ideas and i was like well yeah I, I do of course because i think kind of everyone who writes science fiction or fantasy like has an idea in the background for like a series <laughs> but i hadn't written anything yet and i was like well can i can i do this like can i can i write another two books because also important to know, in August of 2019, I was six months pregnant. <laughs> um, so I knew that in just a few months time, I was going to lose all of the time in which I had to write. Mm. So I was like, what do I do? Like, this is what I want. I'd always dreamed of doing a trilogy. And I knew the way that traditional publishing worked. I would be lucky to get like a duology. Uh, but probably not a trilogy. I was like, well, what what do I want to do? What like what avenue do I want to take? I did nudge all of the agents who had my partials and fulls. Some of them they requested more, but eventually everyone, you know, everyone passed and I was like, okay, well, do I want to do I want to go ahead and accept and I decided I I did. I really wanted it to be a trilogy and it was kind of like the thing I didn't ex to happen it ended up being the best thing that could have happened for my publishing career especially because i thought okay well i'm gonna write book two before i have this baby um <laughs> and i did i wrote a draft of it it was not good um because i was like barely sleeping at that time my brain wasn't working because you are exerting all of your energy into growing another human inside of you but I finished it and I said okay cool I'm gonna revise when I'm on maternity leave and that was mm. also a very stupid moment because <laughs> I wasn't sleeping and basically spent the entire day sitting on the couch watching love is blind and hoping my baby would sleep and eat and crying the whole day <laughs> um and I was like well you know eventually he's good asleep Eventually, I'm going to go back to work. And if all else fails, I can at least work for an hour on my lunch break and, you know, revise this book. I went back to work on March 5th, 2020. <laughs> and um, you can guess what happened immediately <laughs> after that. I was in the office literally four days before they sent us all home. Mm -hmm. And then I was home for a year, which was amazing and wonderful. And I hate that it took a pandemic to get me to have a year home with my child but I wasn't doing any work then I don't think anyone was <laughs> I was like I I can barely 
focus on my actual work, the world is too stressful. And Athon was great. I was basically like, I can't write right now. I'm sorry. I don't know when I'm going to get this to you. And they were like, that's fine. We're a small press. We're not beholden to a schedule. When it's done, it's done. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> I signed with them because otherwise I would have been like freaking out and so stressed. But eventually I got back into writing. I started writing again uh, like the following year. It took three years from when I signed my contract to where the books to come out. But with the time I actually wrote, it was really like only a year and a half that it took me to write the two books. So I was actually like pretty proud of myself for getting that done. <laughs> the way they publish is they like to publish them all in quick succession. So I knew like I wasn't going to have the first book out and then have time to write the next two. So it was kind of like a push like, OK, you got to get these finished so then you can have them come out. So it was like a nice kick in the pants. But yeah, it was a not expected in many ways, <laughs> both the publisher and, you know, I don't recommend trying to publish during a pandemic or having <laughs> a book come out during a pandemic. It's not fun. Yeah. All right. It is time for the first cue of the podcast. Can you read your successful query letter for us? This was the one I sent specifically to Athon. So it has the SFF pit stuff with it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your SFF pit request for robber barons. As per your submission guidelines, I am pasting the query letter below and attaching the first 50 pages of the manuscript. I am also including links to the pitches for your reference. Victoria Annetti never wanted to be a super soldier, despite the genetic enhancements inherited from her father. She'd rather spend her life fixing starships, free from familial expectations. Then her father and his comrades vanish on a mission to find a lost warship, leaving her the last super soldier in the galaxy. Now she must flee from planet to planet in order to evade government agents like her estranged mother, who want to use her as a pawn in a simmering interstellar conflict. To escape yet another capture attempt, Victoria reluctantly joins her uncle's salvage crew, who are attempting to complete her father's mission. But when clues surface that her father might be alive, she realizes the enemy isn't as clear as she originally believed. Victoria must choose whether to disappear again to avoid sparking another war with her mother fighting for the opposite side or embrace her super soldier leg legacy to save the only family she has left. Robber Barons is a multi-POV space science fiction complete at 99,000 words with series potential. It would appeal to readers who enjoy the crew camaraderie of Becky Chambers' Wayfarer series and the political machinations of the Expanse series. The manuscript was workshopped in Pitch Wars 2018. I received a master's in history from the University of Central Florida. My short fiction has appeared in Plasma Frequency Magazine, Everyday Fiction, and the anthology Contact Light, 2015 Silence in the Library Publishing. I co-founded the Tashi Station blog and podcast network and have been a panelist at multiple conventions, including moderating author panels with Timothy Zahn and Chuck Wendig. Thank you for your time and consideration. All right. Thank you for sharing. So you talked about it a little bit, but how has your experience been since signing that contract? Especially let us know if you found any of the publishing process surprising. I think most of it was surprising just because <laughs> I hadn't ever considered small presses. Like I said before, I was lucky in that I had a really good group of friends that I made through Pitch Wars who had agents, had publishing contracts. And, you know, kind of like let us 
in behind the curtain and like would tell us things in confidence about when they queried and got the call with their agent. And then when they went on submission, Twitter is very helpful for like getting basic information about querying and the publishing process and the submission process. But a lot of people don't talk about it personally. The advice people say is to like, don't talk about, you know, your query, like your responses on Twitter. Don't talk about going on submission on Twitter, you know, just kind of like keep that in your like group chats and stuff. So it was nice that I had a lot of people who were going through that, that I could ask questions or who would tell us the problems they were having with publishing or their editors or stuff like that. I was lucky in that because I was with a small press, they were very easy to get a hold of. I just kind of would send an email and they would respond really quickly. And, you know, I didn't have to wait very long to get my edits back. And especially because I didn't have an agent, I was working more directly with them than, you know, I didn't have like a kind of person to go through, which was good and bad at times because I'm not the most assertive person. <laughs> you know, I, I've learned to just, you know, just send, just send the question. They're not going to laugh at you. <laughs> I think I've learned a lot with my genre specifically. Uh, there are a lot of small presses out there for science fiction. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the books that I see specifically on Amazon, because that's where we publish, a lot of the books that are like the best selling in the categories my books are in are indie presses or small presses or self pubs. It's been really interesting to see how genres differ so much. I think that's something that's really useful when you like find a group of other writers or you find mentors that are in that genre so you can kind of like see what is the best avenue for you to go down because it's not going to be the same depending on if you are a contemporary YA author you're probably not going to want to self-publish because bookstores are big where those books are discovered whereas other genres especially adult science fiction is more like ebooks and audiobooks and that's why I said before Mike was insistent you need to have audio or you're going to lose so many sales. Mm -hmm. So it, it was just really interesting to see like a whole other side of publishing. Cool. It is time for the quick round. I call it author DNA. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Definitely a plotter. I am a Capricorn. <laughs> Do you tend to be an overwriter or an underwriter? Uh, underwriter? I leave out a lot of description and feelings the first round. <laughs> Do you prefer to write in the morning or at night? I prefer to write in the morning, but by necessity, I have to write at night. When starting a new project, do you typically start with character or plot or concept or something else first? Usually it's a concept with maybe a little bit of a plot, but the characters usually are the last ones to come. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Neither. I drink either water or Coke. <laughs> when writing, do you prefer silence or some kind of sound? I write to Spotify playlists. <laughs> when it comes to the first draft, are you more of a get it down kind of person or a get it right kind of person? I like to try to get it right as much as I can the first time around. What tools or software do you use to draft? I resisted Scrivener for a long time, but I am finally on the Scrivener train. <laughs> but I revise in Word. Do you prefer drafting or revising more? Definitely revising. 
Do you write in sequential order or do you hop around? I write in order. And final quick round question. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? I am an introvert. So now we're going to talk about the second cue of the podcast. What were some of the qualms or worries that you had on your journey and were they realized or did you overcome them or how did they shake out? I think like most people, it was kind of a, am I a good enough writer? Writing is very um, independent. When you're first starting out, you're kind of like, you know, working by yourself. You have no idea if what you're writing is good enough. And then you start sending out your work to people and figuring out like, is is it good? And it's also hard when you're first starting out because you have to find people to send your stuff to, you know, you have mm-hmm. to make other writing friends. And kind of like the whole process is, well, you have to find out A, if what you wrote is good enough, then you have to query it and find out if an agent likes it enough to take it on. And when you're first starting out, kind of you think, well, if an agent doesn't like my book, then it must suck. But as you spend more time working with people and like writing, you realize, okay, you can have the best book in the world. And an agent still might not want it because it's Mm -hmm. not what they represent. It's not what they can sell. And then if you get an agent, you can submit it to a publisher and it might be just like another book that they have scheduled and or, oh, that's not hot right now. So we're going to pass on it. So it's very much accepting how much luck and timing is involved with publishing and learning to do everything I could do in my power to write the best book I can and kind of leave everything like not to put it on me. One of my good writing friends is Lisa Mia Smith. She has a book coming out next year. She talks a lot about setting realistic goals and how the difference between a goal and a dream and that a goal has to be something you can accomplish by yourself. So I had to learn, okay, you can't set a goal to get an agent because that's not up to you. I write my query. My goal, my goal was basically to query my book, to send mm-hmm. out a certain number of queries. And that's all I can do. I can make it the best I can be. I can research as much as I can. I can get the manuscript as good as I can do. And then I, I just have to step back and believe that it's going to either find where it needs to go or it's time to move on to another book. And I think that's really hard for a lot of authors to accept. And it was really hard for me to accept. I had a really hard time thinking about when initially whether I wanted to go with a small press or not, because I was like, I don't know if I'm competent enough to go forward without an agent. I didn't know if I wanted to have someone reading what I was doing and validating. Yes, this is good. You know, obviously that's not this whole purpose of an agent. But for me, I knew that was like kind of where I was coming from. I wanted validation. Even if you have that, you can get a horrible review and think, I'm the worst author ever. What am I doing with my life? So it was really just learning that I didn't have control over certain things. And what I did have control over, that is what I could work on. And once I did that, it was a lot easier to be confident in that I knew what I was doing. And when I didn't, when I knew that there was a problem, then I could be like, okay, I need someone to read this and tell me what you think is wrong. 
it was a lot easier to pinpoint like things that were wrong with what my writing was when I just gained more confidence. And you tell people who are new writers, oh, querying sucks. Oh, submission sucks and all of that. And it's kind of like, I always feel bad because it's you're kind of like discouraging people almost, it feels like. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize it's just it's hard and even now especially with you know the effects of the pandemic agents are overworked editors are overworked it's just a supply chain backlog people had books come out and then they just kind of went nowhere yeah it's it's just accepting what i could do with my craft and then moving forward from there All right. It is time for the third cue of the podcast. Do you have any writing quirks? Is there anything about your writing process that you think is kind of different or interesting or unique? Like I said before, I write to Spotify playlists and I know like I'm not the only person to ever do that. But I realized that I actually really need to have that part of my process or I can't write (laughs) because I was having a really hard time working on book two. And I realized you don't have a playlist for this book yet. You need to make one. And I did because I would like listen to it in the car, even when I was not writing. And it would kind of just get me in the mood to write that story. And so once I did that, when I sat down to write, I was like, okay, I could just turn it on. And okay, I'm good. I'm good to go. You know, other people will sit and like brainstorm for the day. For me, it was just kind of like getting me into that mood. So I learned like I actually really need to do it or I can't write. When you were in the lowest parts of your journey, what kept you going and why did you stick to it? I think it was just, um, so I know a lot of people will say this is like not the answer you should give, but um, spite. (laughs) Spite. That's literally the second most common answer on this podcast. (laughs) That's good. Uh, Spite. I had a person who um, told me like I could never hack it as a writer. And so... I decided that I was going to prove them wrong. (laughs) I really just wanted to prove that I could do it. Like first it was like, I want to, I want to prove I could write a book. And then I'm like, okay, I want to query a book. And then I, I just, I, then I just kept going. There were a lot of times when I did not write, there was like several years where I just, I, I didn't have the brain power to do it. I had other things going on, but I always came back to it. Like, I'm not the kind of person who I says, like, I have to write every day or, you know, I I feel an itch to write. There's a lot of days I don't feel like it. Like, I'm tired. I just got home. You know, I had a hard day at work. But in the end, like, I love telling stories and having the finished product for me is it makes me feel very proud, (laughs) like as cheesy as it sounds. Like I have my my background on my desktop is like my book covers (laughs) and I, I put them on there to like inspire me to finish now it's like you did this you wrote three books and that are published so you can go on and write other books Hmm. and i tell people you know it's okay if you quit quitting doesn't mean forever if you need to take a break do what you need to do for your mental health if you're not feeling it don't push it like most writers aren't doing this full time it shouldn't make you miserable. Like if you're not enjoying it, you should try to figure out what you can do to make it more enjoyable. And that was me like last year or the year before last when I was like, I can't write with all this going on. And it was just, 
if I if I pushed myself, I don't know if I would have ended up with the books that I have now. Do you feel like you made any mistakes along the way that you might like to share with listeners so maybe they can avoid making the same ones? <laughs> I mean, I think everyone queries too early. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't know if that's necessarily a mistake because it's like it's practice, I guess. You're learning to write a query, um, you know, sending it out there. I wish I had been more involved early on in like trying to find critique partners and other writing groups like I had people local that were like really great friends that I could always trust to read my stuff I was very much kind of a like watch things from afar on Twitter kind of thing and didn't really get into like the writing world or until I got into pitch wars not even before I applied I really encourage people to find your people and stay with them one of the things I appreciate most about my writing group is that we're all in different parts of our careers and we all write different genres. Some of us have, you know, published for like major publishers and gone on book tours. And then there's me and a few other people who've been with small presses. So we have a whole breadth of experience that we can like help each other and give advice. It's nice seeing there's not just one path to publication. There's lots of ways that you can do it and get your words out there. Because in the end, like that's really the thing that pushes us all to write is because we want people to read our stories. All right. Kind of similar question. Can mm -hmm. you share with listeners one of the most important lessons that you learned on your journey to publication? So this might sound counterintuitive, but it's to learn not to follow certain advice. <laughs> I follow a lot of, you know, people on Twitter and a lot of authors and they would do like Twitter threads where they would describe their writing process or how they write. It's very helpful to hear how other people do it, but when you're a new writer, I feel like you can kind of like take that advice as gospel and think you have to change your process to be like theirs. I did this with certain people who are saying like just get just get the book down write it get finish it and then go back and edit it so i tried i tried to do it i tried to bang on a draft as fast as i could and that just did not work for me i would finish and i would hate what i wrote and it would really discourage me from wanting to edit it and then i realized i need to take my time and write i need to make sure i know the plot beforehand <laughs> for Book three of my trilogy, I spent a whole month just brainstorming it and like writing my outline in Scrivener. So when it came time to draft it, I pretty much had a draft zero already. And like some people, they need to just push through, like they need to just get it done or they'll stay on it forever. They'll, they'll play with the first chapter forever. So for some people, that advice works really well. For me, it did not. I think one of the best things you can do as a writer is to parse advice that you find and find out what works best for you. One of the best pieces of advice I read was from Chuck Wendig, who said, like, writing advice is BS. A lot of it's crap, but there a lot of it is useful. So you just kind of have to figure out what works and what doesn't. 
I think a lot of times people are insecure with their process and insecure themselves as the writer. So they're going to try to mimic what other people do and it might end up hurting them in the long run. So knowing Chuck, he probably didn't say BS though. No, nope, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely did not. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is not a business that most of us succeed in completely on our own. And you've mentioned some of them, but who are some of the people who helped you along the way and how? Well, I mentioned Mike before, so I have to mention him again. Dan Cobalt was the other founder of SFF Kit. So obviously that's where I got my book deal. So I have to shout them out. Haley Stone was another author for Athon, and I sent her some questions. She was very helpful with you know, answering all my questions and in deciding like to accept their offer. Harris Winters was my um, Pitch Wars mentor. She was great. Still to this day, like I know I could ask her a question and she'll answer. Everyone from Pitch Wars, including you, are involved in my in my class here. So I, w- I would not be there. I have a Slack group that I still talk to people in that group every single day. We have writing sprints still. They've been super supportive. They were like some of the first people I told when I got pregnant. Mm. (laughs) Um, I was really fortunate. I I mentioned in my query that I used to do a Star Wars podcast. And so I met a lot of Star Wars authors through doing that podcast. A lot of them were like very supportive and very helpful along the way. A few of them I mentioned in my acknowledgments. Chuck was one of them. uh, Delilah Dawson. Jason Fry, uh, Janine Spenlove, she's a really great friend of mine, and she was really helpful early on when I was starting out writing. There's so many other people I can't think of. Um, (laughs) Allie Martin, I mentioned her before. She's like a wonderful editor and was like, has really like been helpful in making me figure out like what my downfalls are as a writer. (laughs) I think like one of the like greatest things you can have as an editor is just tell it to you straight. Be like, listen, this is not good but you can make it better. <laughs> Before you go, we learned a little bit about Robert Barron's from your query letter, but is there anything else you want to tell us about the series? It shares a DNA with Star Wars. Um, it's a military science fiction. The first book is kind of like mainly focusing on Victoria, who's the main character. Um, it's multi-POV, so it has like her mom and some other people who are kind of like searching for her. Like the first book is kind of like the search for her. The second two books show the larger galaxy. We meet some other characters that end up intersecting with her journey. And it's really a lot about family, both found and blood family. I love stories that focus on like generations and like kids trying to live up to their parents (laughs) and both parents like failing their kids. I wrote the book before I became a parent. I wrote the first book before I became a parent and I started the second one. And then after I became a parent, I was like, oh, wow, I empathize with the parents in the story a lot more now than I did before. It was really funny. Like when I started, it was like, even despite the age difference, I, I was like kind of identified most with Victoria. And then by the time the series ended, I identified most with the Admiral Parchant, who is kind of the main person in the colonial military. And she has a 
son who's in college and kind of like their conflict is one of the other parts of the story. So I was like not consciously putting in like a mother-son dynamic. But as I was writing, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're basically fast forwarding like 20 years to what you imagine (laughs) your relationship with your kids going to be like. (laughs) So it's just funny how like you change as you grow and write. That was the nice thing about being able to write a trilogy and write it over a period of three years is just see how different my writing has gone and also like my life in general. All right, Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story with everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. You can find the text of Nancy's query in the show notes, along with links to find out more about her and her books. If you enjoyed the show, I'd appreciate if you'd help me find new listeners by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, telling your friends, or sharing this episode on social media. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash Nicholas. That is a new link for this year, and that's Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. And if you're a published author interested in being a guest on the show, please click on the home base link in the description or go to sarahnicholas.com and click on the podcast logo in the sidebar. Again, that is Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.